This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Oh, really cool to know. I went to bed last night knowing Heston Kerstad is on his way to the major leagues. And I slept like a baby because it made me happy. And I woke up with a smile and uh, dreams of Heston's big smile in Baltimore at Camden Yards ripping off his first base hit sometime very soon. This is a feel-good thing. What, what, what do they got, about three weeks left? Uh, I think it's a little less than three weeks. Yeah, so he'll get a get a handful of dozen games, man. How cool. Well, uh, I'm not sure if, he's a, if he is eligible, though, for the postseason. Uh, he's replacing an injured Ryan Mountcastle on the roster. Usually you got to be on the roster by the start of, of uh, September to mm-hmm. be eligible for the mm-hmm. postseason, although there are, <clears throat> I think, some situations where that can change. But, uh, man, that's great. I love it because Heston is, you're what he's fought through, <clears throat> what he's fought through um, even just since his last year at Arkansas because the, his last year with the Razorbacks was the pandemic season, the shortened 2020 season where we got to see a, like a month of them, less than a month of them. And he was hitting just like he would have hit. And and then he gets, I mean, there was the draft that year, which was shocking. The second overall pick, uh, the Orioles took Heston. I didn't think he was going to go that high. Nobody did. Um, and, and then he ends up, they don't have a season. There's no minor league season, so he doesn't even get to play. He literally played like only three weeks worth of college ball. Signs a contract as the number two overall pick, and then sits got myocarditis mm. uh you know had to had to work his way through that uh last year 2022 he lost most of that season to a severely strained hamstring that he suffered i think in spring training so there was that that ruined last year and and all he's done this year is just do what he did at arkansas which is hit 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 and hit some more 303 average uh, he's got a 9.04 OPS over Double A AA and Triple A, 21 home runs, and that's exactly what he would have. It's, look, Heston Kerstad is one of those people that if he just rolled out of bed and only was wearing his underwear and still had the sleep corners in his eyes, like Willie Mays Hayes, he'd still hit. But, but hitting, not running. That's exactly he, right. Yeah. Willie, he would do the hitting. Willie Mays Hayes would do the running. Man, that's uh, that's pretty cool and and good for him. And, and you're pulling for a kid like that. I'm always pulling for Arkansas kids. And man, how cool of a talent would that be? You know, like the people. I, I like greatness and people that can. You know, Steph Curry can shoot the three, but to be able to hit a baseball at at that high of a level in underwear when you just woke up when you just rolled out of bed. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine cool. trying to do that? I mean, how do you, can you imagine trying to roll out of bed in your underwear and, and take a snap under center? I think you'd have to have somebody else in the room with you. Roll out of bed, uh, just in underwear, and shoot free throws. There are some people that could do this. Steph Curry could hit a half-court shot rolling out of bed with his eyes closed. Steph Curry's a phenomenon. He's a galactico. He is uh, There's a... Uh Oof. The, the thing about it that's, that's tough is you watch Steph Curry, but you can't do what he can do. You know, nobody, it's in, you're trying to emulate that. He has changed the game, and, and for, for better and for worse, uh, with, the, with the deep threes. But you can't do that, and, and people get out there, and they're trying. I just wonder what position uh, Kerstad figures in on here. And, and, man, I mean, this is, I don't think it was something the Orioles were planning on doing. 
um, you know, because they, they're fighting for the number one overall seed. This is not the time where you just call somebody up just to get them a cup of coffee. But you now Heston's he coming up to seat. get a cup of coffee at a pretty important time where Baltimore's trying to lock down the best record in the American League. If he made if he makes some base hit and plays well, maybe he can't be on the first round of postseason, but he can be on the second round of post. He can he. Can. I don't know how it's going. I don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how it all works. But I do know that if he does hit, if he hits like a like I think they expect him to, and now he can, he's got to be in their plans for the future for for next year. I mean next year, like show up at spring training ready to compete for a job, either that or get traded to a team that needs something <laughs> that needs an outfielder who's ready to hit. Uh, and Baltimore can get a pitcher or something like that. I don't know. But uh, that, that's just one of those things that makes you smile. Because, <clears throat> look, all the guys on, the, on these baseball teams that I've worked with have been stand-up class act guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but there's something about Kerstad. There's just something about him. You know those people? He just... The, the, everything about him just seemed so amazingly genuine, but he, I don't know, he was just effusive to talk about hitting. He loved where he was when he was a Razorback. It was, it was, it was so pure and easy to see. And I love how Dave talked about when they recruited him, they, they envisioned him as a little center fielder who would be a leadoff batter and steal some bases. He shows up on campus. He's six foot three. He'd grown like half a foot. He's six foot three. He's massive. He's a power hitter. And he wasn't the kind of player that they thought he would be. He was better. He was better. He's like, did I order you? We're, 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 did it, Yellow Pages, how'd you get here? That's exactly right. Be a prototypical ball player. That's right. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa has everything you want for your next getaway. With the luxury and hospitality of a grand old southern hotel, the accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit our thermal water bathhouse for mineral water baths and massages or enjoy one of our many dining options, like our Friday night seafood buffet, prime time in a fountain room every Saturday night, or our award-winning Sunday brunch. Located in downtown Hot Springs, the Arlington is steps away from shopping, entertainment, bathhouse row, and the hiking and biking trails of the National Park. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more info. Passion is something that exists in all of us. I know we got a lot of passionate hog fans listening right now. And I know that all of you love football season. Dave Bushkill and his team over at Eastside Liquor are the exact same way. They can take care of all your tailgating and party needs. Whether it's just a few beers or alcohol in bulk. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith to check off every item on your list. Eastside Liquor, your number one stop for Arkansas football this season. Afternoon, Bob. How you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Doing good. So, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's starting to feel like fall. I know we're not quite there yet, but it's starting to feel like it, man. And I'm excited about uh, night games coming up. A couple of night games in a row. Uh, which I know you had to laugh about it because Coach Pittman referred to the idea that the players get Sunday off. The coaches don't. So <laughs> the guys, the players love night games. The coaches, not so much. Well, I think the fans like them, you know, a lot, especially a big game like this. I'm seeing as a writer with headlines, I love day games too, but I, I get why the players like them. I get why why the fans like them. And, and TV obviously likes them. I mean, the, the the bigger bigger games. Sometimes you know they're in that two thirty time slot with CBS, but you know more more often than not, the marquee games are at night. Bob, it was uh, it was good running into you uh, Friday at the Arkansas Hall of Honor deal. It's uh, always good to, to 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 see folks. What what do you expect? What do you want to see out of this Arkansas Razorback football team this week? 
Yeah, I guess I'd just like to see them, you know, keep taking steps forward. Uh, I think it's understandable they haven't played their best in these first two games. Let, you know, get, listen to what uh, Kalani Satake, the, the BYU coach, and their players are talking about. They've kind of had similar starts. They're both 2-0 at home and have played teams they're expected to beat. And, and I think, you know, BYU's got a lot of motivation to come out here, you know, play an SEC team. It's their first year in the Big 12. They want to have a good show, and they want to, Pay back Arkansas, I think, so to speak, for getting beat, you know, pretty pretty decisively, 52 to 35, and it could have been worse. And I think Arkansas needs to understand, I think they do, that BYU, this is a really big game to BYU, and it should be a big game for Arkansas. So I'd, I'd like to see them, you know, run, run the ball better, especially, and, and, you know, do a better job of converting on third downs and fourth downs if it comes down to that. And, 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 you know, keep keep making progress on defense because the defense has been pretty good in some of the special teams. But I just think they need to – I think BYU is going to come in here really motivated and, and play really well, and Arkansas needs to match that. Well, I think they know that. And it sounds like from the press conferences, from the players and from Sam Pittman this week, that they've turned the intensity up. They've kind of, you know, there, there might be a little more – focus on the opponent um you know there's more hitting going on i mean it's the expectation of this obviously we know this is the toughest game of the season but there's also an anticipation that you have to be maybe a little bit more up for than be flat early on than you were the first two yeah and that's that's you know and and, you know arkansas let's face it they, they came out flat last week i mean they they struggled they that they were only leading 14 to 6 and then, you know, they, they didn't get the fourth down. And, you know, credit the defense because what happens if Kent State, you know, takes that short field, 32 yards, goes down and scores, and goes for two and ties it. I mean, then the whole stadium's freaking out probably. But um, And I still think Arkansas would have won. But, um, yeah, to me, if I'm Arkansas, I'm approaching this like an SEC game, you know. Just like going out there to BYU was, was, was a tough road trip. I also think this, I mean, there may be, I don't think the players and coaches think this way, but, but the fans and the media shouldn't. Just because Arkansas went out to BYU last year and won doesn't automatically mean they're going to win at home. I mean, logic tells you if you beat a team on the road, you should beat them at home. But, you know, these are two different teams with a lot of different players. There's some of the same players, obviously, like, you know, K.J. Jefferson. But, you know, BYU's got a new quarterback. They've got a new defensive coordinator. Arkansas's got new two, two new coordinators. So, um, yeah, I think if I'm Arkansas, I'm approaching this like an SEC game. I think that is the way that they're that they're looking at this game. Tell me about Keaton Slovis. Uh, he's a, he's a stepped in at quarterback. He's a transfer. Jaron Hall uh, left BYU after the year, went into the NFL draft, uh, and and Slovis. I mean, he was one of the more highly recruited quarterbacks coming out of high school, but he's bounced around a little bit. Yeah, he was that guy, uh, just like you know, Jackson Dart, right? Who Arkansas is going to see later this year against Ole Miss was a USC guy. And, and, uh, you know, Daniels, um, who I think is now at Rice, JT Daniels, the Arkansas missed him at Georgia because he was hurt, and that's when Stetson Bennett kind of took over a couple of years ago. But, but, yeah, he was, uh, well, this, he was, uh, you know, hot shot quarterback at USC just like they all are, right? I mean, does, does USC sign anybody at quarterback? It's not like a four or five star. And he went in there, and, and Daniels got, won the job and got hurt in the first game. And uh, Slovis took over, and he was the quarterback the whole year, threw for over 3,500 yards, like 30 TDs. And, you know, the next year as a sophomore USC quarterback, 
you know, he was kind of a media darling. He was a guy that was getting matched for Heisman Trophy consideration, and, and he did okay. But really, his next few years there were not as good as that first one was. And and Dart came in there was, was taking some snaps. And the big thing was, you know, they had their coaching change. Um, you know, they fought, they fired Clay Helton, and then Lincoln Riley took the job. And, and when Slovis was going to follow Lincoln Riley to USC, but I think you could read that that writing was on the wall. So Slovis got in the portal, transferred to Pitt, you know, pretty good landing spot. I think Pitt was just coming off uh, their uh, ACC championship, and they played Michigan State. I think it was in the Peach Bowl and lost because their quarterback, who's with Steelers now, opted out. But anyway, so Slovis went there, you know, Pitt had a need. And he had a solid year. Pitt went 8-4, and four, you know, not a bad year, but he had career lows, and I think he only threw 10 touchdowns and 2,000-something yards, so he got in the portal again to go out to Utah, which I think he probably feels is more quarterback-friendly offense, and he's done well there so far, obviously, against so-so competition, but you know, he's run for three touchdowns, which he had never run for a touchdown in his previous uh, career, so you know he's doing a little bit more of that, not a lot, and he's you know throwing the ball pretty well, so yeah, he's an interesting guy, because he, he's on his third school now, but I think he's got 72 career touchdown passes, and he's thrown for close to 11,000 yards. So he's got, you know, big-time stats. Bob, last year we were able to run the ball a little bit. I think Rockard averaged over 10 yards a carry. Uh, Green and Dominion, they, they, they had decent games as well. Uh, how do you see that going uh, this week, A.J. Green or, or Dominion? Which one of those running backs have you liked so far this year, and do you think that we're going to be able to run the ball uh, like we did last year when we went up to Provo? Well, yeah, it's a good point you bring up because I think Rocket went off to like 175. And, you know, he was really the star of the game. And KJ, you know, everybody remembers that, that play where, you know, half the defense bounced off him and he, and he hit, I think it was Trey Knox for about a 35 yard game on the sideline. But, um, yeah, you know, we know Rocket's not going to play because of the knee. But I, I think AJ Green, Dominion's a good a good runner. You know, we still haven't really seen Dominic Johnson get on track. And I think, you know, when a guy's had back-to-back knee surgeries that, that, that's a tough deal so we'll see what goes on there but yeah right now I think A.J. Green's your go-to guy he had a good game last week you know Dominion had a big bowl game and we know he can play but I think he's got to he's got to break loose a little bit and then K.J. I mean when Arkansas really took control of that game last week in, in the second uh, half you know when you're in K.J. And so I think uh, I think Arkansas can run the ball on it, but I think KJ is going to have to be a big part of that of that uh, running game. And you know, the line's got to do. You know, Sam Pittman talks a lot about fits, right? And you know, get, getting in, you know, filling your gaps and filling your lanes, and or you know, that's what the defense does, opening up the gaps in the lanes. And so I think if the line will step up and block better, and the running backs will do a better job of you know re- re- reading those those uh, those holes and, and you know maybe breaking some tackles then I think they can run pretty well you know, Matt, Bob is a Packers fan, <clears throat> one of the one of two guys I know uh, pretty well that's a Packers fan. Um, how did you feel watching Aaron Rodgers go down with that injury on Monday? Because, uh, I mean, even the even the most jaded NFL fan that might not even like Aaron Rodgers. And he still brought you a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, no, I, I wish Aaron Rodgers nothing but the best. As a matter of fact, I, I texted a friend who's the Jets. And before the game, said, "Hey, let, you know, good luck to our Aaron and your Jets." You know, no, no. I, Aaron Rodgers, he's he's a great Packer. He's obviously a first-time Hall of Famer. He's one of the best quarterbacks ever. 
Yeah, uh, we won a Super Bowl with him. We should have gone to a couple, three more, not through his fault, but through some other things that happened. A really bad onside kick in Seattle that Seattle recovery comes to mind. But, no, I mean, I, I was not even against the trade because I felt like last year, you know, the Packers, you know, Aaron was healthy and had a good year, and the Packers didn't make the playoffs, got swept by the Lions. You know, couldn't win at Lambeau at the end when we had to win. And so my feeling was, you know, we drafted Jordan Love in the first round. He's been here three years, just like Aaron Rodgers was behind Brett Favre. It's time to let, you know, see what, what Jordan Love can do. And right now, I don't. I hate to say this, but I don't believe the Packers have the wherewithal to, to, to get to the Super Bowl. Although, if we could play the Bears 17 times, I'd really like our chance. <laughs> but, uh, but, 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 but I think Aaron, you know, I think the Jets have a lot of good pieces, and they were missing a quarterback. And so I wish, you know, my dream would be the Jets and the Packers in the Super Bowl. And I wish Aaron Rodgers nothing but the best felt horrible when he got hurt. And I read somewhere where Wisconsin Bar, you know, uh, was doing some kind of promotion if the Jets lost, all the drinks were free. And so I just thought, you know, well, that's just crap, you know. I mean, yeah, like Matt was just saying, I mean, Aaron Rodgers was a great Packer. I think it was probably a good move for both franchises for him to move on and get a change of scenery for the end of his career. And the Packers, I think, you know, uh, got some good players back. Plus, these fans, I mean, even if they're crass and jerks, uh, Aaron Rodgers, I think, need to play 70% of the Jets' snaps for one of the return picks to be a first-rounder. So that means the Packers won't get a first-round pick. So, I mean, how stupid do you have to be to root against Aaron Rodgers? You know, you got to be pretty stupid and, and pretty horrible fan, I would say. Yeah, I, I do want to ask you uh, about it. So LSU, Alabama, and Texas A&M, who were picked first, second, and third uh, to win the SEC West, have all taken out-of-conference losses. Do you still think the SEC West is going to be LSU's, Alabama's, and then maybe even A&M's at third? Well, I still, I mean, yeah, that was a surprise, at least to me and probably a lot of other folks, that Texas went in there and handled Alabama like they did. But, yeah, I still think Alabama and LSU, if you look at the talent level, uh, I still think you have to pick them at the top of the division. A&M, I was one of those guys who thought, you know, they had a lot of talent and getting Bobby Petrino in there would really help them out. And, you know, going to Miami, it's not a horrible loss, but they were up, what, 17-7 to and got beat 48-33, to so pretty mm-hmm. big collapse. So. I'm not as high on the Aggies as I would be, but I do think that the division is more wide open than it's probably been in a long time because I think Alabama and LSU are really good, but I don't know if they're dominant. And, you know, this is a tough year for Arkansas to have to go on the road to those two places. If those two teams are coming to Fayetteville, you know, I think I like Arkansas' chances a lot better. Doesn't mean they can't go on the road and win, 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 win at one of those places or both, but... It's a lot harder, but I still think Alabama and LSU are the class of the division, but I don't think, I think the gap is closed based on what we've seen early in the season so far. And uh, on Friday, I got to see Sean Andrews. I got to see Bob Holt, and, and uh, Phil and I were just talking. Uh, another teammate of mine, another Hall of Famer, Jason Peters. Uh, he, he just signed uh, for – he's 41, I believe, just signed a one-year deal with the Seahawks. What are your thoughts on Jason Peters? Bob, I think it's like – is it legitimate? that did, Has Jason Peters had the best NFL career of any Razorback? Of undrafted play of Razorbacks, yeah. Well, for sure, yeah. Um, he's right up there, and certainly the longest. I don't think anybody, I mean, Joe Ferguson played for 17 years. I guess we'll have to add up Jason's. But, yeah, Jason's going to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's not only had longevity. He's been a great, great tackle. And it really Two-time All-Pro, that, yeah. That, that teams keep wanting to bring him in, you know, even at his advanced age. 
And of course, uh, Jason was a tight end, right? I, I always remember. Did you hit him for was it a touchdown or two pointer or something? Yeah, he was a tight end, so him and Sean would be on that same side. But you look at that Ole Miss seven overtime game. You look at that Kentucky seven overtime game. He he made big play after big play. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so athletic, and that really speaks to how nimble he is for a big man that he played tight end, had the footwork, and yeah, that right side of him and Sean Andrews. I mean, has anybody in college ever had a better right side than Sean Andrews and Jason Peters? And, yeah, to go undrafted, you just got to wonder what the scouts were thinking. But, yeah, good for Jason and that he's still hanging in there and playing. Um, And, you know, maybe he'll just keep going up. Maybe he'll be the Tom Brady of offensive tackles. The Year of the Sauce continues at Buffalo Wild Wings. Introducing Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and the return of hot barbecue sauce to the Buffalo Wild Wings Sauce lineup. Try both Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and Hot Barbecue Sauce for a limited time at your local Buffalo Wild Wings. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings in Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, sauce, beer, and football. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Matt. What's this? What's this drink you brought me? Here oh, we today? got the uh, the Waterloo grapes, and I, we got the we got the pure uh, uh, from the uh, oh the Aldi's. It's the flavorless stuff. That's, That's the, the, the stuff original. that you trust more than anything. Yeah. Then, now I t- I question this Waterloo a little bit because it's a grape flavored. Truthfully, there is no flavor that is more artificial than fake grape flavoring. That is the that is the thing that tastes the least Most like candy-ish. what it's supposed to taste like. Jolly Rancher grape, right? That's 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 what you all base it off of. But we're okay with it once we study that you know once you get a Welch's or you get a you get any grape soda or even one of these grape you know, it's the, this isn't the flavor either. It's just an essence. It's a scent that, that goes along with a feel. That's exactly right. And yeah. it even has that fake essence. It yeah. says it's naturally flavored, and I'm calling it out and saying that's a bunch of bull crap because there's nothing natural about that fake flavor. There's definitely a little, little yeah. When as you as you said it, you you kind of want to drink the flavor ones within about 17 minutes. Yeah, before they start getting. That's right. Before the fizziness goes. That's out. why you can't Topo Chico. You just get you a San Pellegrino Topo Chico. You can't go wrong. That's the, you could leave. You can leave a Topo Chico out overnight, bottle open, it's still fizzy the next morning. They, I think they put a little sodium in them in the in the Pellegrino and in the um, in the Topo Chico. You think they just dissolve a bunch of Alka Seltzer in the they're, in the Topo Chico? There's a little. There's a, but that you're right. That's a, they they hit the best. They must do something like that. Eight seven seven three seven seven sixty nine sixty three to get with us on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Um, I saw this from USA Today. This is according to USA Today from 2005 through 2022. So I guess that's what, 17 years? So this is the top 50 uh, athletic departments in terms of donations 
across the country. There, there's this there's this understanding, I think, amongst people that because Arkansas is in northwest Arkansas, and you've got Walmart, and you've got Tyson, and you got JB Hunt, and you know you got all the companies up there that it's mm-hmm. known for. That there's just automatically all this corporate money being thrown Harvest, yeah. towards. University of Arkansas Athletics. And I think in some cases, yes, some of those organizations, some of those massive companies and the people that have the most ownership in them do exactly that. But Arkansas ranks 32nd on this list. A little 11th. Kirvin Johnson. 11th in the SEC. Like, Missouri is ranked 31st. This is over the last 17 years. Oregon is number one. Where do you think that's coming from? That's coming from, that's coming from Nike. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M is number two. I mean, that's a massive school, a massive donor base of alumni. Same with Texas, which is number three. Same with Florida and Georgia. Oklahoma State is number six. That's T. Boone Pickens. They've really been put. I mean, their their facilities, because I went to camp back there in, in, in high school, and their old turf field, I think Coach Bob Simmons, he was their, he was their head coach. And they they needed some help. They needed some love. They have um, so was Arkansas. So so was Donald W. Reynolds up there. Man, it's gotten better and better each year. LSU seventh, Oklahoma eighth, Auburn ninth, ahead of Alabama and Florida State tenth. Well, they had. To I get mean, you look victories. at Auburn. That's Tim Apple, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's where it's it's where he went to school. So. Um, Look, the only schools Arkansas ranks ahead of on this list are Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt. Are you are you okay with where we are? Do you think they're doing um, all they can? And, and and now this is this has to go with basketball as well, right? It's this is not, all the sports. Yeah, all the every sports. sport. Where do you think is Arkansas needs to be if we want to win a national title? You know, do we need to be in the top ten if we're going to win a national title? That's a good question, Matt. I mean, Ohio State's number eleven, Alabama's number twelve in this. Yeah, this is over a seventeen-year period, so I mean, things might have varied a little here and there. I don't know if you got to be top ten, but being number thirty-two, you know, between Missouri and Kansas State, it doesn't put you necessarily in that conversation. Maybe up there with Tennessee and Michigan. Maybe that. I would just be feel kinda... like there's this this misunderstanding about Arkansas athletics because because the Razorbacks are so close to Walmart that you get Walmart's money with the school. Doesn't work and then that when way. you're in the stadium, yeah, they advertise in the stadium. And I'm not to say that the, the the Walton family or those who are connected to Walmart have not given money to Arkansas Athletics. The Hunt family has. Walton Art Center, yeah. Yeah, but but I think I just feel like there's this 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 uh, it's a it's a it's an understanding which isn't true, a misnomer, that because Arkansas is so close to this corporate center that they're just going to get all this donation money. Everybody talks about it like that. Oh, you just you take the Walmart money and throw it at Deion Sanders or something like that. You know what I mean? It's just it's, uh, I don't think that's the real world. I don't think that's the world that Arkansas athletics operates inside. You know, I, I like the way they operate. I, I like our coach up there and the the talent. The, this transfer portal, you, you've seen, you've seen Coach Musselman just just crush it, and and his his evaluation of talent is just first class because he doesn't miss on a lot of guys. And it looked like Coach Pittman hit on a lot of these transfers, uh, the, the guys that are coming in and making Jeff Coat making plays number eight. I'm gonna learn his name once he makes a couple more plays, but I, I love seeing him flash across the screen. Uh, and, I mean, Jeff Coates, even a cap, Landon Jackson. And one of the interesting things about this list would be to compare the donation list 
to the NIL list, mm-hmm. which of course has only been now for what two, three years. Max? Do they make the, that record public? Do we get to see that? I don't know. Uh, that's no. what that's it's what they're doing guesswork. in Congress. I guess they're trying to make some of that. It's public. all guesswork. We're really, it all comes down to guesswork because it's opaque. Nothing is out in the open about this. You know, we don't know how much money is being spent, but somebody can make a guess. Uh, organizations can have sources and, and, and throw guesses together about that. Uh, and I also don't think it's the Arkansas near the top of the list in NIL either. I think that they're doing fine in it, but I think that there are other schools in this league that yeah. just have a bigger base to draw from. That's also partially what this is about. Arkansas is a small state. It's a smaller school than a lot of these other places. A&M, Texas, LSU, Georgia, these are massive, massive schools. Arkansas is still a big school compared to all the schools in the league, bigger than some of the schools that they play in the SEC, but not most of them. And and donor base is also smaller donors. It's not just the multimillionaires and the billionaires. It's a smaller, you know, somebody that can give two hundred dollars. Well, if you've got if you've got an extra. <laughs> 25,000 alumni that can give the $200, that adds, that adds up. up. Yeah. Absolutely. The, the alumni base is a huge reason why Arkansas would be lower on the list than I well, think some been, people expect. They're, they're one of the few schools that, look at this baseball stadium, and, and how's it, I mean, how much it's grown uh, since, since you've been up there, and, and you see the football the stadium as well, but then they're, oh. they're talking about renovations to Bud Walton. Even. It's grown a ton, and I do know that some of that money does come through donations, but a lot of it also comes through TV money. It comes through uh, it, it comes through, um, you know, the SEC network. Uh, you know, some of this money that we've talked about um, um, recently. <laughs> it's a funny text here out of the 479. Uh, the, it says Arkansas needs more sports-obsessed billionaires. But that's what partially what this is about. Oregon they, they wouldn't just be, the Broncos. Oregon wouldn't yeah. be number one if it wasn't for Nike and Phil Knight. Oklahoma State wouldn't be number six if it wasn't for T. Boone Pickens. Auburn wouldn't be number seven if it wasn't for Tim Apple. So it's, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. Maybe you need another sports-obsessed billionaire here in the state of Arkansas. Uh, instead of just sports-obsessed radio hosts that don't make a billion dollars. Well, that, that, I don't think that ever happened. Um, but I like the way we go about it. I don't think Arkansas is ever going to be number one on that list. I, th- I like our I like our seating right there. We're competitive. I don't think we're ever going to be Billy Bean, you know, Moneyball. We're never going to be at the bottom. I think Arkansas is always going to be be giving it a shot. I think you are. You're not quite. You're not at Moneyball, but you do have to. You do have to find a diamond in the rough. That's very true. Here. That's very true. You do have to do a little bit of that digging. And a little bit of that understanding of things and look for value where others don't see value. Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey and Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey and Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey and Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey and Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. Are you feeling the heat this summer with soaring electric bills? Upgrade your AC system with Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric this August and experience the ultimate comfort in your home. This month, receive up to $500 off on attic insulation when you upgrade your AC. 
That's right, proper attic insulation can significantly reduce your energy bills, keeping your home cooler and more efficient. Worried about the cost? We've got you covered. With approved credit, enjoy payments as low as $99 a month. Picture this, lower energy bills can help you cover the cost of your new system. Now that's a win-win situation. So don't wait, call Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric now and save with a new AC system and insulation this August. Say goodbye to high electric bills and hello to ultimate comfort. Visit gopascal.com now and schedule your free estimate. With approved credit, exclusions apply, see dealer for details. Professional people, professional service, Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had winning up to 25 times my money this football season. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. Prize Picks is a skill-based, real-money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? Well, you pick two to six players, and if they will go for more or less than their Prize Picks projection. Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Find out all about it at prizepicks.com slash HTL and use code HTL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash HTL and use the code HTL for that first deposit match of up to $100. Must be present in certain states. Visit prizepicks.com for restrictions and details. prizepicks.com, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, let's talk with Brett Dolan from Touchdown Radio and all sorts of Arkansas athletics and all sorts of other events that he will call play-by-play for, perfect game uh, and the like. Brett, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm good. How about you guys? We're good. We're outdoors. We're enjoying the uh, the fall uh, hunting sale at Jelco, and it's nice to actually be able to do a radio show outdoors without melting into the concrete. Um, and we're excited about an Arkansas game that feels like you got a worthy opponent in BYU. Um, you had a really sounds like you had a, a pretty interesting game in uh, Miami this last Saturday, man. And um, I don't know if I saw the Texas A&M defense faltering as badly as it sounds like they did, but it also seems like Miami's passing attack might be on point. I think you're right on both. I mean, it was a better Miami team than I thought. Tyler Van Dyke, five touchdown passes. He's got some weapons. Two new coordinators in year two at Mario Cristobal, and they both called extremely good games. But I'm with you, Phil. I think A&M's back end of their defense, their safeties, their corners, I was surprised they were that bad. So that's probably good news for Arkansas and K.J. Jefferson coming up soon. I would say the quarterback, A&M Wigman, was as tough as I thought he would be. He just couldn't score enough points to offset what their defense allowed. Yeah, and and that's that's the that's the thing of it. It's like you know, you've it seems like the offense is 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 roaring for for A and M, and maybe that's expected under Bobby Petrino. And you know, I know Wagman's been really good for the first couple of games, but uh, man, I mean, I said on our uh, your boy my boy segment the other day, I gave Matt your boy, and it was DJ Durkin, and it's not necessarily what I think they expected from uh, from a Durkin defense right now. Yeah, not even close, and that has to be a concern because with A&M, it's always one step forward, two steps back, and, and uh, you know, there, there, there's concern. I mean, Jimbo's not the only head coach that has a monster deal and and maybe an unsettled fan base, but, uh, you know, considering the volume and the caliber of recruits they get compared to some of these other teams, they should be better, and, and I don't know what that means for them going forward, but I, I do think Miami's probably a top 15, top 20 team, and that, that surprised me. 
What was the atmosphere like inside Hard Rock Stadium? What, how many how many Miami fans do you think were there? Yeah, I know it's a good question. I, I don't know if it was like forty five, fifty thousand. I heard people telling me it was one of the the bigger, louder crowds they've had. But it feels like we have to grade in a curve because you and I were used to going to these SEC venues where there's seventy five, eighty thousand, a hundred thousand, and they're lined up for eight hours before the game tailgating. It is different, right? When you get to Miami or even the ACC, so you have to kind of devalue a little bit of that. But I, I would say it was still a good atmosphere, and it, it just wasn't maybe what we're used to at Georgia, Arkansas, A&M, LSU, Alabama, Auburn. But uh, it was still pretty good. Brett, uh, I was I was really impressed with Texas going in Tuscaloosa and 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 kind of being physical. I don't I don't know how much you got to see of that. Uh, is is Texas back and is is Alabama and Saban is is that era kind of coming to an end? Well, Matt, I don't know about you. I was surprised at one thing with Alabama, and I saw most of the second half when I got back to my hotel. I was stunned at the number of big plays they gave up. And sometimes mm-hmm. big plays are a result, you know, maybe a, a broken play. Somebody slips and falls, or one person misses an assignment. It, it did seem like there was way too much of that for a Nick Saban team. Now, give Star credit. He found some mismatches. But then Quinn Ewers took advantage of them. And it's hard for these these college quarterbacks to hit the deep ball with regularity and make the deep play. It wasn't for Ewers the other day, but it, it seems like that has to be a big concern for, for Alabama, the number of big plays they gave up, because that just shouldn't be a staple of any Nick Saban team. I was surprised, too. I, I texted Phil during the game, and I said, it's it's like uh, the Alabama D-backs didn't know how to track ball and man at the same time. <laughs> Can we say the same thing about the A&M defense? Because, I mean, Tyler Van Dyke and that receiving core, big play after big play. You know, you're right, and I, I don't know exactly what, what causes that. If it's, if it's just inexperience or they're not being coached up to the level that, that they should be. But we expect teams, again, whether it's Alabama or A&M, to at least have a caliber of, of athlete or player back there. But it, but it wasn't the case. And, I mean, to see Alabama give up a couple of, say, 30-plus yard plays in a game feels odd. To see them give up five or six and especially at times when it felt like if they get off the field, they might have a chance to sneak out a win at home again, and they just keep they kept giving up the big play. So credit to Texas. I didn't think they were that good. But, guys, it does feel like the overall theme is maybe the SEC isn't the big bully that we thought they were. LSU loses against Florida State. We saw A&M go lose at Miami. Alabama lost at home to Texas. Maybe this is a little bit of a down year compared to what we've become accustomed to over the last five to ten years. Be a real down year for Ole Miss, I think, if they lose at home to Georgia Tech. What do you know about about Georgia Tech? The funny thing is, it's not the Georgia Tech team we think of. Haynes King, a former A&M transfer, is thrown for like seven touchdown passes and about 600 yards in two games. So to watch them spread wide receivers out and throw the ball around the yard just feels different because they were one of the outliers of teams that played with a different style for so many years. But they want to come and kind of compete with with the big boys, and like everybody else, whether it's, it's it's grabbing a Haynes King from A&M, they got this kid named Blaylock who was a top 40 recruit out of the state of Georgia who went to Georgia and didn't play much. And he looks like a big-bodied physical receiver catching touchdown passes. And obviously it, it worked out for him to be able to transfer to a school like Georgia Tech and play and produce. Uh, I don't know how, how good they may be over a long season, but it does look different to see Georgia Tech trying to compete now if you want to you want to compete in a track match or track meet with uh 
Ole Miss, you better be ready to go because they, they love to get it up and down at home. And considering what their schedule looks like over the next few weeks, once they get through Georgia Tech, whether that's at Alabama, LSU at home, and then Arkansas, and at Auburn, that's a gauntlet for a four-game stretch. They better find a way to win this game. It looks like Judkins hasn't really gotten going yet, right? I mean, two games in, averaging three and a half yards per carry. Um, has Ole Miss, uh, is, are they dealing with some of the same issues Arkansas is as far as a team that is known for being able to run the ball that's had some trouble doing it so far? It has looked different. You're right. Last week, 18 for 48 against Tulane. And considering last year, when you looked at his numbers at the end of last season and you put them next to Herschel Walker's numbers from his freshman season, I mean, they are almost identical. Carries, yards, touchdowns. And we know what what Herschel did in that, that freshman season. So Juckins was in some unique territory. It hasn't been the case. Now, last year they had 2,000-yard rushers, and they no longer have that, that dual monster attack. And obviously they do sling the ball around the yard quite a bit, and they've had a number of receivers put up some filthy numbers. But it does feel like that has not been quite what they would want from a Juckins standpoint. And whether it's this week or next week or whether they get into the SEC play, if, if they're going to be a relevant team, and that would be seven to nine wins, they need a lot more out of him and, and a lot more out of their running game like Arkansas and other teams do as well yeah that being said what do you think uh, what do you expect out of this arkansas byu matchup do you think uh, i think byu is going to be halfway physical with this and i i kind of wonder if arkansas can rush for 150 yards you know matt and you might be able to answer this better than me and watching the two arkansas games and again i've had to do it off tape or off, off tv not in person i can't make up my mind whether they're just kind of pacing themselves a little bit and maybe not showing a ton early or whether they're sluggish and i can't get that feeling i hope at the end of this weekend i have an idea whether the kind of building slow and trying to you know, take it easy with, with some of the usage from some of their guys or whether they just aren't hitting on all cylinders. I don't know the answer to that right now. I do think we'll have a much better idea after the BYU game. Yeah, I do too. I, do you, could you see a team like Ole Miss or Arkansas winning the West this year with, with uh, you know, you've had Alabama, LSU, and A&M all, all lose, although they were, you know, non-conference big-time opponents. Uh, yeah. think it is that wide open? Boy, it's a fun conversation to have. I, I think you're right because a couple of weeks ago or even a month ago, we would have thought that sounded somewhat crazy. And and while you're right, these have been non-conference games for LSU and, and for Alabama. It did expose a few warts. And, and I guess that kind of goes back to what I thought about this conference entering this year. Without a Stetson Bennett at Georgia, without a Bryce Young at Alabama, it was going to be kind of a changing of the guard when it comes to some of the elite position players. How did teams respond around that? And I, I think it's a fun conversation. And for Razorback fans, that's why I know this, this fan base wants to see this team start to build. They want to see them take down A&M in a couple of weeks because it would open that conversation up a lot more if they can take care of business and win the games they should win. And then, then, then it always gets down to finding a way to win a couple of games that you're not supposed to win, whether they could kind of flip this Western division this year. I think it's, it's a storyline that I didn't anticipate talking about, again, maybe just a few weeks ago or a month ago. But uh, I think there's at least a possibility of discussing that now. Looking at the touchdown radio schedule, Brett, you got Georgia Tech Ole Miss this Saturday. 
They're letting you call an Iowa game. <laughs> He's an Iowa grad. <laughs> Iowa versus Penn State. Oh, is this even allowed? Jimmy Franklin coming to town. Ofi- you, um, um, uh, officials are not allowed to um, work games. They're not allowed to referee games if they have any connection to that school. It should be the same for national broadcasters, my friend. Well, it isn't a thrill for me either. This is a whiteout in Happy Valley. It's going to be a great atmosphere. I do have... I do have some tendencies to uh, be a little frustrated at times with, with Iowa, and now that I have to be on the air for three and a half hours, I don't think that's a match made in heaven. Um, <laughs> Gino Toretta will tell you he can take the week off of preparation because I've got it handled when it, when it comes to Iowa's warts or their, their successes on defense or whatever we will discuss. I am looking forward to it. I, I, I will say, be careful what you ask for. I begged him last year not to take the Iowa at Ohio State game, but we did anyhow. And I had to kind of live through uh, through that, even though the Hawks frustrated C.J. Stroud for about three quarters. But, uh, no, I, I'm looking at that one, and I think we've got another Iowa game on our schedule later on. So uh, we'll see if I can survive. And then, Phil, you can appreciate this. I think we'll probably get back to Pittsburgh at somewhere like 1 or 2 in the morning. I'm on a 6 a.m. flight the next day, two flights, and coming back to call a volleyball game that afternoon in Arkansas. So it's going to be... It's going to be a treacherous couple of days for me between surviving Iowa and then the trip back for a, for a volleyball game. Yeah, but you got a nice hotel right there at the Pittsburgh airport. That Hyatt is uh, is top notch. You'll be okay. Uh, well, I'll get a couple of hours sleep there, if if that. If Iowa wins, there will not be much sleep, and, and if they uh, they lose, it'll be a a uh, restless sleep. Hey, Brett, what did I see you mention? Uh, I think you tweeted about it. An anniversary of a no hitter was it two thousand eight with the Astros? Yeah, no, this is this one of the more bizarre things I've been a part of. So the hurricane came through, and, and we kind of battened down the hatches in 2008. That would have been Harvey, and we lost a home series against the Cubs, so we all sat around with various degrees of damage, and all of a sudden Major League Baseball decided, well, we need to play this. Houston was in the pennant race, so we played the home series in Milwaukee, and the Cubs were there waiting for us for a couple of days. We gathered everybody up. Some people had a hard time getting to the ballpark because of uh, flooding and, and, and debris on the roads. And we took off. We landed in Milwaukee. We went to the ballpark that day, like a minor league travel day. All the worse for the wear, having done nothing over two or three days. And then Carlos Zambrano went out and no-hit the Astros. And uh, I remember Lance Berkman joking after the game. He said, I surprised our fans so lustily booed us because it was all Cub fans at a home game in Milwaukee after a hurricane and a pennant race. <laughs> Uh, they did much better the next day. They got one hit against Ted Lilly. So uh, uh, that, that was a, a bizarre sequence in, in Astros history to get a no hit on a home game in Milwaukee, flying day of game. And then that was kind of the beginning of the end of that uh, wild card chase in, in 2008. Yeah, it's kind of a standalone experience. We've, uh, how big was your smile when you saw the news that Heston Kerstad got called up to the Orioles? Oh, man, I don't much you. They just, just pumped up. I mean, the poor guy lost about a year and a half because of injuries, and all these top prospects for Baltimore kept getting called up. And, you know, Phil, I, from day one, I mean, Heston Kerstad was one of my favorites because he looked like a man among boys as an 18-year-old. And uh, I, I just am thrilled for him. I can't wait to see what his professional career looks like. And it's hard to be the number two pick in a draft and kind of live up to the hype. We see some of the guys struggle or fail i expect him to have a great career and boy i just can't wait to see how it unfolds with with heston in baltimore
You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.